Please turn in your Bibles now to another psalm, Psalm 100, for our text this morning. Psalm 100, a few short verses inspired by God through the pen of David. A psalm for thanksgiving is the title given to the psalm in the Psalter. Hear God's word. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You once again for this Your Word. A short psalm, a compact psalm, a call that You give to us to come into Your presence to worship You because You are indeed our Creator and Redeemer. And as we take time now to look into this portion of Your Word, we pray once again that You'd be pleased to come to us to open our hearts, to open our minds, to enlighten our eyes, to work in our hearts, to give us a better understanding of Your Word that we might indeed worship You as our Creator and Redeemer, as we ought. Bless us to this end, we pray, in the good name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. Amen. It's well known that evangelistic associations that have crusades, like the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and other uh, organizations like this, uh, when they have a, a crusade, they have a, a preaching uh, service. And at the conclusion of the preaching service, uh, men and women are, and young people and children are uh, called forward uh, to register uh, their commitment to Christ. And uh, part of the procedure uh, in these uh, assemblies is that uh, these men and women and young people and children uh, should uh, meet a uh, counselor. And it's thought that uh, uh, possibly the most significant encounters uh, that these individuals will have uh, in this meeting uh, is on this personal level uh, with this uh, personal uh, counselor. Uh, as a sidebar, I think it's kind of interesting that uh, the Billy Graham Association 
it's pretty well known, plays the numbers game. Uh, that is, uh, uh, they hold that about 10% of uh, the people that come forward uh, will actually make a lasting uh, commitment uh, to Christ. Well, uh, that, that's a little sidebar. Uh, uh, the main point is that uh, we are called, as we gather together, to encounter Christ and encounter our God. And uh, I would submit to you that in the end, it's not the individual encounters that turn out to be the most profound encounters that we have. But it's, it's our encounters with God and our encounters with Christ in the corporate setting. And of course, when you look forward to heaven, you know and you realize in heaven, you and I will be gathered around the throne with myriads and thousands and ten thousands to give praise and honor to Jesus Christ. And I've said in other contexts that uh, I just want to be there. <laughs> and if I'm just on the outside, on the periphery of that gathering, it will be sufficient for me. And if I just have to stand on my tiptoes to look over others, to peer at the throne of our great God, that will be the most wonderful and glorious encounter with God and with Jesus Christ imaginable. And in the psalm that's before us, it's this corporate encounter that's envisioned. And the psalm is a call to you and to me to worship corporately with God's people and to lift our voices with praise and thanksgiving to God because He is our Creator and Redeemer. Corporately worship the God of heaven with praise and thanksgiving because He is your Creator and Redeemer. This is the thought to which the psalm is bringing us. And I want to approach the lesson and the sermon this morning a little bit differently because I want to talk about how the psalm is put together. And the first thing that we encounter when we begin to speak about these things is that we notice that the psalm, like all the other psalms in the Bible, is poetry. I mentioned this in another context one day, and some looked rather quizzically at me. Yes, it's poetry. It's not like English poetry, because it does not have rhyme and meter. Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. So, you see, that's, that's 
Western rhyme. That's Western poetry. That's English poetry that has rhyme and meter. But Hebrew poetry does not have rhyme and meter. Oh, there's a certain meter to it, all right. But the idea of Hebrew poetry is parallel thoughts that are often made uh, in the poetry. Uh, uh, look at Psalm 100, uh, verses 1 and 2. Uh, well, verse 2 especially. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. You see, there are two parallel thoughts there. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Well, if you've got the King James Version, it's not laid out uh, in this parallel format. There are colons and semicolons that uh, separate the pieces of the psalm. Uh, I wish the editors of the King James Version would uh, reflect the Hebrew poetry a little bit better. But uh, now look at uh, verse 3. Uh, the uh, second two lines in verse 3. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Uh, you see, there are parallel thoughts that are given there. This is the idea of uh, the poetry in the psalm. Uh, in verse 4, uh, the second line extends the thought of the first line. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Uh, and that's another way uh, that Hebrew poetry works. And then there's verse 5. Uh, verse 5 uh, begins, For the Lord is good. And then the second two lines of uh, verse 5 say, His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Uh, you see, there's a parallel thought uh, or there are parallel thoughts there in uh, the second and third lines of verse 5. Uh, this is part of the genius of Hebrew poetry. And when you read the Psalms and you read other pieces of Hebrew poetry, if you pick up uh, these uh, ideas of parallel thoughts uh, that will help you in understanding uh, what the Hebrew poem or the psalm actually means. I used to have fun in talking about these kinds of things uh, at our seminary in Pittsburgh uh, because uh, we would have Chinese people in class and uh, people from Eastern Europe and uh, people from... Uh, Israel and uh, people from uh, South America and uh, people from Japan. And I would go through the class and I would, I would ask a Japanese student, uh, are the parallel lines there in your Japanese Bible? Oh yeah, they're there, they say. And I, I would ask the Chinese student, are the parallel lines there in your Bible? Oh yeah, he, uh, the Chinese student would say, yeah, they're there. And uh, the, the student from Eastern Europe, are the parallel lines there in your Bible? Oh yeah, he would say, they're there all right. You can see them quite easily. And the amazing thing you see is that Hebrew poetry, from this perspective, can be translated into any language and it retains its structure. It retains its poetic form. It's, it's 
a kind of poetry that any country can read and get the sense of. And it's a wonderful thing to understand that this is the case. Now notice uh, that there are four stanzas in Psalm 100. And you can see the stanzas because each stanza has three lines in it. And they're easy to pick out. Make a joy, joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. First stanza, three lines. Second stanza, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Three lines. Second stanza. Third stanza. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Three lines again. Third stanza. Fourth stanza in this psalm. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Three lines, fourth stanza. The Holy Spirit must have been up to something here. It's very striking that this is the case. There's a pattern. There's a flow. There's a structure. And God is trying to teach us something through all of this. Well, let's check out some of the content in the psalm now. Go back to verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Those words, all the earth, are a figure of speech. It doesn't mean that the earth is to itself is to give praise to God. The meaning is all the people who are on the earth are to give praise to God. It's kind of like when the news media says, or reports, the White House says, hmm. Now, I don't think the White House actually talks. It's the people in the White House that are being spoken of. And that's the idea in the psalm. Make a joyful noise to all, to the Lord, all the earth. You see, this is a call to all the people in the world. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. This idea of serving the Lord and coming into His presence has to do with coming to the temple in the Old Testament economy. Serve the Lord. That is, serve the Lord in your worship in the temple. That's the idea. Come into His presence. Come before His face. Uh, this is actually what it says. Uh, and, and it's kind of picturesque, actually. Uh, come before the face of God. And the way you come before the face of God uh, in the Old Testament is to go to the temple and go into the holy place and stand before the veil, which is before the most holy place, in which the throne of God was portrayed. And in that way, you would stand before the face of God. 
Verse 3, know that the Lord, He is God. Uh, you can hear in the background the confession of the Israelite. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. It's Jehovah who is God. The great I Am who is God. It's not someone else who is God. We don't serve other gods. It's only the Lord whom we serve. Uh, this is the idea in verse 3. It is He, you see, it is the Lord who is God. It is He and He alone who has made us. And we belong to Him by virtue of creation. It is He who has made us, and we are His, uh, the English Standard Version says. Or, as, as some of the other versions says, and not we ourselves. We didn't make ourselves. We uh, did not uh, create ourselves. It is God who put us into this world. And He is indeed our Creator. We are therefore His people by right of creation. Now you could also say, yes, we are His people by right of redemption because we are His sheep. And that is part of the implication in verse 3. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Now we're back to the idea of the temple. Enter His gates. The gates are the gates of the temple. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, giving praise to God and thanks to God. The courts, in verse 4, are the courts of the temple. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. And of course, in the courts of the temple, the Levitical choirs that were assembled by King David would sing these same psalms to give praise and honor to the great God of heaven. And then we come to verse 5. For the Lord is good. You notice how the psalmist describes the great God of heaven. He is good. And the good God of heaven has a good design for everything that He does in this world that has to do with your life and my life. Years ago, in a youth group in Sterling, Kansas, a young lady in the youth group asked uh, this poignant question about her father who was dying of breast cancer. And I said to her in response, you and I must remember that the good God has a good reason for all that He does. And later, uh, when this dear father was taken from this life and we went to a very large funeral in Sterling. This young lady stood at the funeral and read an article she had written for Guidepost magazine and was published in Guidepost. And the burden of the article expressed her faith 
that the good God has a good reason for all that He does. And I trust Him that He had a good reason for taking my Father away from me at this time. God is good. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And His faithfulness to all generations. We already heard in the psalm explanation about this word, steadfast love or loving kindness. It's a translation of the Hebrew word that has to do with covenant love. The love that God has in drawing His people, people like you and me, to Himself in salvation through Jesus Christ. His covenant love in salvation. For the Lord is good. His covenant love in salvation endures forever. And his steadfast and his faithfulness, his truthfulness to all generations. With that now, let's go back and look at how this psalm is put together. Because the Holy Spirit has a point to make. Stanza one. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. In other words, come together as God's people in worship for praise and thanksgiving. Verse 4 is parallel to verse 1. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. God's people were called to come together in that temple area to give praise to their God. Verses 1 and 2, parallel with verse 4, are a call to worship God with joy and thanksgiving and praise. Now look at verse 3 or in the, uh, the psalm. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Why should we worship the great God of heaven? Because He is our Creator. And so verse 3 gives us the great reason, or one of the great reasons, why you and I should worship the good God of heaven. And then verse 5 is parallel with verse 3. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Verse 5 gives us another reason why we should come together to worship the great God of heaven. Because He is your Redeemer. This is the reason. And so, the psalm is pleading with you and me, come together to worship the God of heaven, the Lord, with 
thanksgiving and praise because He is your Creator and your Redeemer. This is the great thought that the psalm is placing before you and me. Now, you might wonder a little bit. Uh, That psalm was written a long time ago. Centuries ago. How does it more specifically apply in our circumstances here this morning? Well, here's the way it applies, friends. Verse 2 again. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. As I said, this is a reference to the Old Testament temple. Verse 4, enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. This is a reference to the Old Testament temple. But now, friends, the teaching of the Bible is that the New Testament church is the temple of God. Paul says at the end of Ephesians 2, the whole building is being put together as a holy temple in the Lord. And Paul adds specifically to the church at Ephesus, and you too are being built together as a special dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Think about this, friends. You and I are being built together as a special dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 13 to the Corinthian church, we are the temple of the living God. And what is a temple? A temple is a place where God especially dwells in grace. That's what a temple is. Peter says, we are living stones being built into a spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God. You and I are being built into a special dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Well, you may say, what's special about coming uh, together? God is everywhere. And I would respond to you in the words of another psalm, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I descend into hell, You are there. In other words, God is present in heaven in love. God is also present in hell in wrath. God manifests Himself, displays Himself, reveals Himself in different ways, in different times, and in different places. And one of the different places in which God is pleased to reveal Himself is in the assembly of God's people when they gather for worship because He is building them into a special 
dwelling place for himself in the Spirit. And God, friends, is graciously present here now with you and me to apply His words to our hearts and to strike us with the significance of corporate encounter with Him. And so I say to you, uh, dear friends, this morning, on the basis of Psalm 100, a simple psalm having a simple lesson. Come together. Come together with anticipation to encounter Christ in worship. Come together to, with the expectation of encountering your great God of heaven and having your heart warmed with His presence and having Him affirm to you that you belong to Him through Jesus Christ and that He is indeed your God because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You see, friends, worship of the living God in the assembly of God's people is not a perfunctory act. It's not something in which we come and say, yes, I'll sing a psalm or two and I'll listen to the prayers and I'll listen to the reading of the Scriptures And I'll listen to the sermon. And when the benediction is pronounced, I'll say, now we can go home. No. Our times together are designed by the God of heaven for times to meet with Him. And as you understand that this is the case, and as you trust in Jesus Christ as the one who died for you, you can come into the worship of God with anticipation to have an encounter with Christ and to meet with Him. This is the burden of the psalm. And this is the call of God that He places upon you and me. Come together, friends, in anticipation to worship the Lord corporately with joy and gladness and thanksgiving because God the Lord is indeed your Creator and your Redeemer. Let's pray together. Father, thank You. Thank You that You're so good to us in so many ways. 
and that we do have the privilege of meeting with you. And it's a personal thing. Because in such circumstances, you call us to yourself. And we thank you that this is the case. And Father, we pray that week by week as we come together, we will indeed more and more anticipate meeting with you and hearing your voice in our hearts and understanding your love and care for us more and more. And so be pleased to bless us uh, to this end, that when we worship together with thanks and praise because you are our Creator and Redeemer, we can expect Yes, we can anticipate truly meeting with You. Hear us, we pray, in these things. We ask in the good name of Jesus Christ, who is indeed the only Lord and Savior. Amen.